Hey friends, this is Holly Bame Lytle, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism in the Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's panel of exceptional autism parents. Thanks for joining us for this uh, particular podcast on Isaac's Autism in the Wild. And this one I'm really excited for. Sadly, I'm going to just, I'm an overshare, so I'm going to just totally own the fact that um, I have recorded this particular podcast before, but because we upgraded to new technology, unfortunately, I did not know exactly what I was doing and may have a very difficult time trying to salvage it. So I was lucky enough to at least get Brian Keith. Um, not necessarily his wife Maria because she's working to come back and talk about this particular topic which is having another child after the autism diagnosis and I'm super excited because I have um, Bonnie and Jason because we have had personal conversations about this over the years just because you guys have um, more you guys have a real significant story and even how your extended family felt about you guys having more children. And so we're going to get to that here in just a second. Um, So first and foremost, um, I think everybody probably knows that for me personally, uh, my son Isaac had autism. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2007. But even before he passed away, we had started, Isaac was fertility, and we had already started um, the process of seeing the specialist because we knew we wanted to have another child, even though we had been warned and cautioned by people that you know there was a um, higher chance that we would have another child with autism. And it didn't stop us from wanting <coughs> to have another. Um, but you know, I will say there was a little, <coughs> you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, statistically, since um, boys are more likely to have autism than girls, then you know, maybe I should keep my fingers and toes crossed that when we get pregnant, like, it will be a girl. Because statistically then, right, am I, you know, less likely to have another child with autism? And um, I ended up uh, having Caleb. Uh, actually, he was born um, 11 and a half months after Isaac passed away. And um, when, you know, I fa- we found out in advance that he was a boy, and there was just, you know, like, just a hair part of me that was, um, I don't want to say I was disappointed, but I was scared, um, more so scared than I think if I had, if they had told me, oh, you're going to have a girl, you know what I mean? Because then it, there is that thought, you know, like, what if this baby also has autism and what will that look like? Because <coughs> we know it's a spectrum. Um, so, um, Brian, Keith, we're going to start with you since th- you're, this is your second go around. So you kind of know some of the questions I'm going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and your wife are a blended family. So you had your three children, your three boys. Um, and then you met your wife, and she had a son from her first marriage. And then you guys decided that you wanted to have children together. Yes. Okay. So, um, But you guys really weren't worried about it at all. No. Um you know, Josiah is amazing, and um, we just knew that we wanted to have a kid together. Um, it, really no fear because, well, even with Josiah, there was no worries. You know, um, she has a lot of experience 
with the youth and well explain a little bit about what Maria does for a living oh, okay um she's a preschool teacher for ecap um so she works with three to five year olds um that's her jam that's her that's yeah, her thing that's her thing she's good um, at it and you know i have worked in in the field for 20 years now yeah <laughs> um so when i had josiah you know i was already exposed had a lot of experience working with individuals with autism um growing up my mom uh worked with individuals with intellectual disabilities so i was playing basketball i was hanging it was out your whole life. It, it's been my whole life yeah um and that's why i always i remember when we got the uh well just to get the test you know i knew i saw the signs at two i told his doctor and they're like well one of them he wasn't talking yet and they said, well, we'll put him in speech therapy and see how that goes. And so our first appointment, I said, well, this is why we're here, but he has autism. And they're like, well, you don't want that. Well, that's not what I want. Nobody but wants it, <coughs> but let's, you know. Let's be real. Yeah, let's be real. Let's be honest. <coughs> like, let's get the show on the road. Cause, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so we went through six months of speech therapy, and then they came back, and they're like, well, we really hate to tell you this. Uh, you might want to get him tested. And then you're pretending like you're shocked. What? Yeah, right. Oh, you mean right. I was right. <coughs> oh, isn't that important? <laughs> right. So, yeah. You know, but just so that whole experience and our experience in what we do, um, we didn't have any worries. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's just we wanted to, um, you know, kind of solidify our, our marriage with, yeah. with a child. So Yeah, and you have... Brooklyn, an amazing and dynamic little girl. Yes. Yes, she yes. is so full of personality and just, yeah, she is just a little bundle of, um, of joy for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and she, developmentally, is totally um, neurotypical in mm -hmm. all ways. Actually yes. very advanced, too, because... Yes. Um, and it's really been a blessing to your family because of just... She, Josiah and, and Brooklyn have a very close relationship. Not that they don't have sibling issues. I mm. know that they do. Uh, they do. Um, and, you know, but there, there's that other piece where we, you know, constantly having to work through because Josiah has a lot of um, physical aggression issues and he targets her. Yeah. When he gets upset, he targets her. You know, um, it was kind of a heartbreaking situation um, since we did the last one, actually where she was kind of having a nightmare at night so went to the room and to check on her and she's crying out no josiah don't hit me yeah. you know but you know that's that's our reality yeah. that's her reality and um, those are some of the challenges you do face after having um you know having a, another child yeah um well, and that's an interesting point because there's that <coughs> aspect of are you afraid that you will have another child with autism? But then there's also the other end of it where you're also, okay, you know, even if that child is neurotypical, can we keep them safe? Because mm -hmm. we do have to deal with aggression and different factors like that. Um, you also have to make a lot of sacrifices because, mm -hmm. you know, you can't do everything the same way. Um, and treat all the kids the same. So peop they have to make sacrifices, and then, you know, you have to reconcile what that looks like yeah. for all of your kids. So for sure, that's got to yeah. be. Yeah, it's it's 
I won't, it's not an easy path, no. <laughs> you know, afterwards, but yeah. it's, it's a fun, interesting journey. Um, yeah. trying to navigate between all the kids. Um, because total all together, then you have five, five kids, right? five. And, you know, um, having Josiah and Brooklyn, they're the two closest in age, but they're still like about eight years apart, you know, but neurotypically they're right at the same age. So, I mean, a lot of times it's nice because we've seen so much growth in Josiah. Yes, because he's having to stretch to keep up with sis, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and they were kind of right there together, so they were interested in some of the same things and um, doing some of the um, same things. You know, but again, there's things that Josiah at dinner every night, he wants his pizza rolls. Mm-hmm. Well, sis wants pizza rolls every night. Yeah. You can't have pizza rolls. Sorry. That's not an option. <laughs> Sorry. You know, you know. <laughs> We've had this conversation too. Like, yeah, Bonnie and Jason over here nodding like, oh, yeah. Yes, oh, yes. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, just navigating each child um, to their own, on their own path and having especially the younger child um after josiah tried to understand josiah's diagnosis and the path and why things do look different yeah can be a challenge and i think too as they get older and they start being around when they start getting into school mm-hmm. and they start having a different perspective of other people's family dynamic then it mm-hmm. starts making them say well wait hold on a second mm-hmm. what do we got going on over here then because mm-hmm. my friends don't have to deal with mm-hmm. blah 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 uh, true, but uh, uh, you know another beautiful part of it is, so Brooklyn was in Maria's preschool class for two years, and again she has uh, individuals with intellectual disabilities, autism, and some other things, and you know she recognizes that. Yeah, because so she responds much quicker and appropriately. Yes, more so, so than kids that are not exposed. Exactly. Yeah. So that's her, nice. you know, it's. So it, it is a blessing as well. Yeah. So. I completely agree with you because um, obviously wearing my hat at the Isaac Foundation, my kids have been raised, you know, not just with having a brother. You know, Tyler was raised with Isaac and Caleb. So he has, you know, kind of that dual experience of having a brother that had a lot of challenges. And then actually I will tell you, though, Tyler tended to be more aggressive than Isaac ever was <laughs> because he was always very angry about a lot of the that Isaac was mm-hmm. getting so by God he was going to create opportunities to get more attention um, and then with Caleb it's a totally different experience where it's more of an invisible disability and so he's very defensive in terms of making sure people treat Caleb appropriately mm-hmm. um, whereas you know Kelly is just her only experiences with Caleb but they've all been around a lot of different families um, through the various events and family events that Isaac Foundation does and it's always funny to me to watch my kids when they first meet a new group of kids or a new child, and then how they feel them out to see where they need to respond. Now, Mm -hmm. is this, you know what I mean? And so, like, I just, you know, Kelly in particularly, you know, she'll go running up to a little girl that's, you know, her size, age, and then starts asking questions, and then you can just see how she dials it in based on the fact, like, oh, didn't get, didn't respond to me, isn't looking at me, and then it's like she kicks into that, oh, I'm going to go into that little sister mode where it's like, you know, you know, want to come play? You know, holding her hand out, you know, trying to get them to come over and engage in a different activity. And it's just so funny to me how she never really misses a step because, but, you know, she starts where she is developmentally. Mm-hmm. And then she just dials herself in based off of what the responses she gets. And 
feel like other kids that don't live in a family like that mm-hmm. don't have that capacity. You know, they're the ones that go up, man, what's wrong with this kid, mom or dad, mm-hmm. or, you know, like, you know, what's wrong with them? And, you know, it creates that little bit of awkwardness. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, you're right. We are raising amazing um, young people that are then going to grow up to be amazing adults that are going to be real understanding. And um, and that's when we talk about, you know, uh, forced, you know, integration mm-hmm. and joyful inclusion. You know what I mean? Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like our neurotypical kids are going to be those ones that really understand what it means um, to create opportunities of like fun inclusion versus mm-hmm. just, okay, you know, you're going to spend, you know, 20 minutes here because this is what your, you know, your paperwork says that we're going to do. Um, whereas, you know what I mean? It will look different mm-hmm. when our kids are part of that group versus um, kids that may not have that exposure. Um, so I'm going to, I already know the answer because I know uh, Donnie and Jason, but I'm going to ask you, uh, BK, how did you get any like feedback from family members in terms of like cautions or, hey, you know, are you sure this is a good idea when um, it became known that you and Marie, Maria were going to um, have a family together? Um, no, uh, they were just excited for us. And, you know, I think all of them, everybody, I mean, we'll even say ourselves. Otherwise, we'd be lying if you didn't go for a second. Like, oh, I wonder if. Yeah. Um, but that's all it ever was. Yeah. Um, and since you were raised really around individuals with intellectual and developmental disabilities, probably more so for your family than mm-hmm. anything, it was like, I see no issues here. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, I, I mean, I, ooh, I think I was seventh grade um, when I, mom was working with individuals in the community group homes um, with intellectual disabilities, and so seventh grade on yeah, you on, know yeah that was what a great age to actually start getting yeah. some exposure to it because you know i just feel like those are kind of like the years that start you know you really start figuring out relationships and mm-hmm. um kind of where you fit in the world mm-hmm. so that's interesting i didn't yeah. realize that was kind of when your adventure mm-hmm. and your exposure to it started yes um and then so during the summer i didn't have school i just hang out at work with her yeah and so I just hang out with yeah. the guys. And well, no wonder you went into a career of working with adults mm-hmm. and people with different disabilities. So that's interesting. I didn't know that. See, I learned something new today. Well, I gave us <laughs> all sorts of information. <laughs> all right, well, I'm going to switch over to Bonnie and Jason because you guys have kind of a different experience, right? So give us a little bit of feedback. Um, some people are familiar with Bonnie and Jason because they've joined me on different podcasts. Um, but this is a topic where you guys, you, we have had a lot of conversations about this, and so I think it's really important because you, know, you have some situations where, you know, it's like joyful, everybody's excited about it, and then you guys have kind of the opposite experience with some family, correct? Yeah, so <coughs> we have six children. Um, two are on the spectrum. Three are biological. Um, three were in the process of adopting. Um, so our daughter was born first, um, neurotypical, and then uh, found out I was pregnant about five months after I had her, and um, and there came my son, and we started noticing, I mean, now that we look back, we can notice things way sooner, but we started noticing probably around like a year old, just different little things that didn't, you know, seem like they were like he was on track 
and then eventually um he actually had very severe autism um he went almost in kind of like a, a vegetative state and uh lost everything we got the diagnosis really early about um 24 months um you know started all sorts of services and things like that um and i think i noticed probably family wise right away when we were think thinking that he had autism our family was either we spoiled him too much or we weren't just different little comments I maybe that was their way of just not accepting that there was you know something wrong um and then when he was about three years old um we got pregnant again uh, not purposely but we did know that we wanted you know a bigger family um I would say we definitely had conversations, me and Jason, about, you know, what if we have another child? And like you were saying, Holly, part of you, like, I was like, well, maybe it'll be a girl. They have a less chance. I had all those thoughts in my own head because Evan is so severely impacted, of course, you know. So anyways, yeah, our family, I would say um, it, it was a really hurtful time for us. Um, we had people asking us why we uh chose to have another child because we don't produce genetically appropriate children um we've had i've had family members after they've been drinking telling us to have no more children um you know d different things through the process and so when when we had our son uh jackson um you know it was just kind of a sad time there no you know barely anybody even came up to the hospital to see him it was just like people were really upset with us and then when i would post some things on facebook about oh you know i'm starting to get nervous cuz he's getting to the age you know cuz when you already have a child on the spectrum i think sometimes when you have another child you're waiting for those milestones you're waiting for the are they going to you know do all this or they you know and um you know, they were just like you. I think you guys are just wanting to have another child with autism. Like you're not even treating him like he's normal. And it's like, no, this is our real life, you know. So when we started noticing stuff with him, um, it was it's just been it's just been a really lonely journey. And to be honest, we got a lot of I told you so's. Um, you shouldn't have had another child. Uh, and yeah, Jackson is also affected by autism. Um, according to the statistics, we should be divorced. <laughs> They said mm -hmm. if you have two children on the spectrum, there's a 90% chance of divorce. So, uh, you know, we're holding out for that 10%. So hopefully we make it. But um, I think that um, I guess what's uh, what's so hard for me to wrap my head around is when you don't ask people for financial support or emotional support or any sort of support, you know, where do you have the right to tell somebody what their family should look like or, or how they should you know, we still don't know if we want more children at this point from the two of us, but we have decided this time if we do have another child, um, we are not going to tell anybody. And uh, if they run into me and I'm pregnant, that's how they're going to know because we want that happiness. We didn't find out what Jackson was going to be because I didn't want the stress of if it was a boy possibly worrying about that. And it just, um, it, that part has been a really hard process for us we have chosen to um adopt through foster care and that's just something i've been wanting to do 
since I was like 10 years old. So, so it wasn't because you guys were concerned about having more children with autism. You just did it because you felt like this was something that you you guys were called to do. Well, I've been around um, a lot of special needs children my whole life. My aunt did foster care. I had a cousin that would always stay at my house that had um, developmental disabilities. And so I just always wanted to. And then when I got older, I was told I could not have children. So I thought, well, that's fine. I'll, I'll have them this way. And so Jason, of course, wasn't wasn't around all that same stuff. So f- foster care and stuff was new to him. But we got our foster care license shortly after we got married. And then even after um, we had our own children, there was just a wanting to still um, help more children. And so, you know, we've had like 30 kids in our home and now we're you know adopting but um was there any issues with the um the process of getting approved through foster care just because I'm a big believer in trying to you know like provide homes for kids that need homes so was there any issues with um licensing being that you did have two children that were impacted by autism yeah I was actually really offended and here's why um they will put multiple kids with special needs in your home. They have no problem. They'll put three, four kids in your home with special needs. Um, and don't ever ask you, is that too much for you to handle? However, if you're on the other side of it and you have some kids with special needs, they wanted letters from therapists and stuff saying that they felt that this would not be too much for our family and things like that. And so I felt like that, um, you know, I was discriminatory. Yeah, I was offended because it's like it's no different than you putting the special needs child in my home than me already having them. And, you know, before we ever decided to have a big family, you know, we really thought about how this would affect the boys and everything that we seen and everything that we read online was like a bigger family. Um, It really is better for them. It causes them to kind of, you know, be more out there and things that they don't really want to do. And, well, and yeah, there's certainly a lot more things you can't control with a larger <laughs> right. family. Right. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And, and I think that even with foster kids coming into our home, they're getting an experience that they're not going to get, you know, at another home too. And, and our little, our little girls that we're adopting, they're so cute. I remember the one, all she wanted was Evan to say her name. Evan to just say, you know, so every day she'd practice it to him, you know, and the day that he said her name, she started crying. I mean, she just, and she tells me one day, Mom, I know you're going to die. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's intense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to take care of Evan. I'll make sure he doesn't have too much computer time. And don't worry, it won't bother me if I have to change his pull-up, you know, things like that. And so it, it's funny that they're having these these thoughts of knowing that they, they care for brother and they want to um, take care of him. But at, but. I think that I th- one thing if I could just say to anybody that a lot of people don't realize is like you always talk about a tribe, a tribe. Some people don't have a tribe and me and Jason do not. <laughs> and it has been a very lonely, hard road. Um, there's been family events we haven't been invited to. Um, there's been a lot of things where you just go, you know, please get to know my child please understand both of my boys and how they are and um and they do want to love you and be around you and and it does look different you know don't be offended if we have to cancel something at the last minute or don't be offended if you know but yes we did choose to have a family and as big as we have we did choose for it to be um 
different in the sense of some adopting and and the fact that we also have two boys on the spectrum but um there's you know I think this time around yeah there's a lot of conversation ourselves you know should we have another child or not but bottom line is it's our decision it's our our life and and uh we're gonna do what's best for our children and um I mean to me it's like hang out at our house for a day and you'd see why we want more kids. They're all so amazing in their own ways, you know, even the boys. So, I mean, I'd, I'd have a thousand. Jason puts a limit down, but you know. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of got thrown in the fire, like from the beginning, you know, I came from a small family, knew I wanted kids, didn't really know how many I wanted or whatever. So the whole, you know, this is foster care thing was new to me being a dad all that stuff was all new to me so it was you know you just take it one step at a time and i tell bonnie we take it one child at a time <laughs> all of a sudden you got three right, right? i want 10 i want 10 well let's just take it one at a time you know? right. especially having two kids on the spectrum i mean the the thought process that you go through um when you have a kid on the spectrum it's just really crazy because i think you get in your mind um you know what you want your child to achieve and the, the future you want them to have and then you kind of see some of those doors closing and crashing down you know because you know my sons still can't you know he's still not potty trained I mean is he ever going to be able to do this on his own or that on his own so that stuff's tough uh, to process and uh, you know the topic of having another kid there's, there's two things that I think about is yeah what does everybody else think because you know everybody's going to have an opinion whether it's good bad or whatever and it affects you to some degree and, and a lot of i i'm a little bit different than bonnie bonnie she's really emotional she gets her feelings really easy where i am just kind of like i don't really give a damn what you think um i mean deep down it kind of hurts me but if you don't want to be a part of it then don't be a part of it you know um you got to do what you feel is right um whether it be having another kid or not and that's that's something that i have I've really gone back and forth with even now because we have two on the spectrum and we still are, you know, we still kind of want to have one more kid and we know we're getting up there with that age and, and wait a minute. I don't think we need to talk about age. Say, hey, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say you're crossing a line there. Jason. <laughs> well, I told her it's just it's, don't state it on the podcast. How yeah, old I am. It's going to be bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> you're really getting old. And, but you know, yeah, it's, it's getting, you know, the point where it's like, all right, we're either going to have one here soon or not. And, um, it's that's a tough decision i had many nights where i would sit down and have a couple drinks and think man what how would i feel guilty knowing what i know where i'm at if i had another kid on the spectrum and it's just that's a it's a really tough thing that i battle and i think that's why she wanted me to come on this this particular podcast because it's been very it's been on my mind a lot and because uh, i i felt having two kids on the spectrum after we had jackson my second kid, um, well, my third kid, but my second kid on the spectrum, um, I kind of felt a little bit of that guilt, you know, deep down. It's like, man, I knew it was a possibility, and then it did happen. Um, knowing that, would I feel even more guilty if we decided to have another one when he was on the spectrum as well? I think I would, um, but I think ultimately I can't let that dictate what I do with Bonnie. You know, it's... Uh, Nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody knows what you're going to get. And sometimes you just got to take chances with stuff like that. But um, 
I, th- I think I would. I think I'd, I'd have one more kid. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Well, we haven't recorded Bonnie, so if at a later time okay. he says no, thank you, <laughs> we'll just be like, hey, uh, you're gonna need to listen to podcast number blah blah. So. Well, and and I I will say too, a little backstory on Jackson. We were pregnant with him. Um, we were told that he was either going to have Down syndrome or trisomy 18, um, and we were asked. Uh, I wouldn't say asked. We a doctor tried to force me to abort him. So. Um, I obviously did not choose that path, and I will uh, put a little say in that. Just so you know, doctors are human too, so, you know, um, just remember that that's, I'm not going to get into that topic, but just so you know, they're not everybody's always right, because Jackson was healthy. But anyways, um, I will say, I remember when I went out on the deck to talk to him about what I had found out, and Jackson wasn't probably going to survive after birth, and and I think that's hard when you're a man and your boys. I mean, Jason's not a crier. That's just not him. And, you know, he just broke down. Like, I'm supposed to protect these kids. What, you know, what what is happening? And I think that's really hard, especially with autism, is because you just, you don't fully know why it happened. You don't know all, so many things that are in. I think lots of times he puts that responsibility on himself a little bit, too, you know, of he was supposed to protect, but you know your family is how it is and I remember I worked with a therapist for Jason really wanted his boys to play football that was his thing Evan um (laughs) first of all Evan doesn't like (laughs) he gets hurt over anything you haven't given him a high five right but anyways so it, it, it was funny that process but we I worked for four years with a therapist for him to just catch a football and worked 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 and then Jason came to therapy and they got to have that moment where they caught a football together. And so I wanted him to see that although it looks different, it still, you know, can be done. And um, it's just, you know, and Evan's on DI basketball team, a DI soccer. He does special needs baseball. Yeah, Evan hates sports, just so you know. He <laughs> is not, he does not. Yes, <laughs> we don't do that for his uh, sportsmanship. It's just, you know, he wants to sit by himself all the time. So we're trying to, like, just let him know that being out there around other people is okay. But, you know, it's just everything. You can still have some of those dreams, and some of them you just can't. But uh, the other day, one of my daughters was like, what are we going to do when Evan has a kid? <laughs> and I said, oh, honey, <laughs> Evan's not ever going to have a child. Um, you know, and she got kind of sad. And I said, but that's okay because he's going to be, you, you have to look at the positive. He's going to be the most amazing uncle because I- intellectually he's never going to grow up. He's going to want to watch cartoons and play with toys and all these things. Talk about an amazing uncle he's going to be for them, you know. So you have to look at, you know, those types of things. Too. That's true, too. Actually, um, we had Vaughn who worked here at the Isaac Foundation, and while he was working here, he did turn 40 and, um, you know, on the autism spectrum. And one of the things I learned through him uh, working for us is that he has nieces. And, um, oh, my goodness, his face just lit up when he was talking about his nieces. And they were going to go back to, you know, back east to be able to visit them for some time. And he was telling me all the things he was going to do with his nieces. And you're absolutely right. It was one of those moments where I'm like, oh, my gosh, your nieces must absolutely look forward to you coming because you play with them and you have all these games that you're going to do with them. And, you know, show me another 40 year old uncle that is like that i mean he is genuinely excited to play as a play partner with his young nieces and they are just like beside themselves looking forward to his visit and i just thought you know that is amazing um to be able to 
you know, have that. And like I said, his face, when you start talking about his nieces, just light right up. And I, I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, and we have talked and you've been open and have shared in previous podcasts that, you know, you have that, you know, if all of a sudden they came up with a magic pill that could cure autism, you know, would you give it to your children? And, you know, and that's a hard one for me because with Isaac, I recognize how like the world was an assault for him because he was so sensitive in some aspects and it really um, was hard. He was so frustrated and angry at times because he couldn't tell and communicate what he wanted and he didn't have a lot of gestural communication. Um, but in so many other aspects, you know, it his world was simple and it was complete and it was rich. Um, and, you know, I, I had a lot of comfort you know, just even sitting at his funeral knowing that, you know what, like, you know, I had mourned things that I would never, you know, when I got the diagnosis of autism, I mourned because it was like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, he's never going to get married and, you know, he's never going to go to college and he's never going to have some of these awesome experiences because he hates so much. Um, you know, everything just had to be very controlled and, um, and, you know, routine. Um, and, Yet then there's the other end of that where, you know, I had a lot of peace at his funeral because you know what, he didn't want any of those things. Everything that he wanted that made his life awesome was provided to him because of, you know, his, you know, for me and his sibling, his, his brother, Tyler, and his world was totally complete, rich and beautiful because that's all he wanted. Um, and so it's difficult. Even now, I don't know if there was the magic pill. Um, and I could go back and undo it. You know, would I have loved to be able to hear him say mama um, as opposed to just a sound he would make that was like my best association? I think that's probably his approximation of him you calling me. Um, and then there's Caleb, you know, high functioning autism. But life is very complicated for him because it's an invisible disability. He's in 85 percent gen ed. Um, could be more gen ed. I haven't pulled out more because I want, you know, them, you know, I want, you know, them to be working on certain things for his IEP. Um, but you know, the world is complicated right now. It's interesting. He's one of the assignments in social studies. You guys will love this. He's having to, um, come up with a civilization and what would it look like? Right. And it's so fascinating to me to see how he would build a civilization, um, because a lot of it is based off of his sensory preferences and like, you know, you have to even as part of this assignment as power, part of his prior point, he had to come up with what, what type of clothing would your civil, the people in your civilization wear? Well, not jeans and definitely <laughs> seamless socks were on the list. You know what I mean? Like you can choose whatever feels comfortable on your body. Um, and the rulers of the civilization are, is the dog that he would like that would rule because he just feels like animals are a simpler, you know, you know, group of people, you know, of functioning body than people. People are very complicated, mom, but dogs, on the other hand, it's very clear what they're telling you, right? And so it was so fascinating to me. And I don't know how he's going to get judged on his, this assignment <laughs> because of some of his choices, but it was a beautiful perspective of, in terms of, you know, how people would live, um, what you would wear, um, different, you know, what foods you have to decide what your, like, what types of foods your people would, like, you know, um, you know, produce. And of course, you know, like chicken nugget, you can't just grow that out of the ground. Like you have to have a different plan. So you got to have a chicken. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we had to kind of go over some of those things. But again, 
Well, life is so complicated for Caleb. I don't think I would, you know, he's so, it's so beautiful and he's so pure and kind and genuine that, um, and he really believes his autism is the superpower for him that it just is, you know, he loves who he is, but why does he love who he is? Because we have spent a tremendous amount of time um, building language around why there is nothing wrong with him, why he is not broken. He is differently abled. He is not disabled. Um, he has a different operating system. That doesn't mean that he's any less or any better than anyone else. So the language that we use to give him um, has helped him have a lot of the confidence and comfortable in the fact that he has autism and things are hard. Some things are hard for him and other people can do them better, but here's things that he does well. And so he has, you know, some pride in that. But again, it's really difficult because I also respect, you know, um, that, you know, there are people where I absolutely would take this away from my child because it is so challenging. Um, and I respect that too. You know what I mean? Cause there's, I understand both ends of that. So yeah. then when you're applying that to having more children, it's hard, you know, I don't know that there's a right answer. Um, I respect, you know, both ends of it. What I see is like kind of a ripple effect you know, it's kind of what we're talking about is these kids that we have on the spectrum, they completely change our lives in every in every way. I mean, we aren't even the same people that we would have been if we didn't have them. And that's good in a lot of ways. It really opens up my eyes. I didn't know anything about autism. I didn't know, really, I was never really around people with disabilities or anything like that. So it really, really just changed me as a person, totally. Um, I think the part that I have a hard time with is how I, how I want, you know, so much for my kids, and I want them to be happy and all those things. But a lot of it, you have to realize, comes from you. That's your wants, and you have to let that go sometimes. You literally just, you know, I look at Evan and I have to say, is he happy? You know, if you give him these things, he's happy. You know, he might not be on the same uh, thought process of a normal kid, but is he happy? You know, that's. That's what you really have to look at. You know what? And we do whatever. We go to great lengths to make sure that he's happy. You know, um, he will get special attention. He will get special food or extra time on electronics. You know, the other kids don't understand that because all the kids are addicted to electronics. But who is it? Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, I, sometimes I'm just like, you know, I don't really give a shit. Like, if he's happy, then just let him be happy because he has a he got he got robbed in life. He really did. So. Um, it, it's it's tough, but they definitely they definitely change us. Um. Well, I would say they do, and uh, you hit on some great points there. Um, but I would say, even though like I'm been exposed to individuals um, for a majority of my life, you know, when you become a parent of one, it's completely different. So the thought of having a, a child with autism, yeah, oh, okay, whatever's, but. Um, there was also at the beginning that struggle um, that you mentioned where I'm like, okay, this is what I want for my child. Da, 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 and it's what I wanted, yeah. you know, and I did have to make um, that adjustment to um, what does he want? What does he need? It's his life. It's he's living it to the fullest. And that might not be what I think is full, but what is full for him. Um, and at the same time, that's the beautiful part because it is so pure. Mm -hmm. um, not worried about the same thing you and I. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't care. Anybody thinks about <laughs> yeah. anything, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, so it, it's 
beautiful to watch. And, um, you know, it's ever-changing and different um, regardless of your exposure, your experience with it. You know, Josiah teaches stuff all the time to me. Uh, he teaches Brooklyn a lot of things. Some good, some not so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. So on one, to piggyback on that, one of the things I love about um, being Facebook friends with you is is that you are very open and will take these beautiful pictures of you and Josiah and you'll share that, you know what, you know, I am such a proud and happy dad. You know, like this, you know, we were sitting here doing this and, do you know, you have to adjust what your expectations are when you have a child with autism. And so you are so... I love that you will take to social media and point out some of those things that, you know, hey, you know, I wasn't didn't know if I would ever be able to get to this moment. And now look what this kid is accomplishing. And I just love it because it puts in perspective that you do have to adjust what your expectations are. But yet they still surprise you and attain some of those things that you never were sure that you would see. Yes. um, You know, and I, I think some of my posts are purposeful um, behind that because it's when we hit a milestone or we do something, you know, it's amazing. I remember the first time that um, he sat down on my lap for, it was like 10 seconds, but man, was that beautiful, you know? And I mean, I think you've had another podcast. It was on, you know, starting him on medication and it wasn't until after the medication that he actually, he, he gave me that 10 seconds of, pure glory and I think he was like four years old at the time but you know I also for me you know as parents we all realize there's a spectrum I I feel however um, individuals in society they watch TV shows and stuff like that so they have a predetermined idea of what autism is and it's it's beautiful and it's you know um the rain man it's the good doctor it's those guys in reality for us parents it is ugly at times um it is you know shooting for those goals um we've also posted of of his behavioral issues because this is autism it was really good to point out too is is that they don't show the ugly side of um of of autism on those shows and bonnie you made that comment too and when and we haven't released the podcast on our pet peeves is is that they don't show you they show you the higher functioning forms of autism and also when they're at their at their best um even when like rain man you know he did still require a lot of support but it only gave you a few little snapshots of what it looks like when it starts unraveling and it's not so pretty you know he's in a casino counting cards and oh yeah you know like that that's you know one aspect of it but you're right like the you know they don't show the ugly side of and even with Caleb you know we're struggling with some of that still too you know here I'm this you know amazing mom where I'm helping to put on sensory day at the fair and meanwhile I've forgotten my own child and his sensory needs and he's underneath the table screaming rocking I don't want to talk 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 and you know it was like oh guess what we got to go like you know fun's over Um, I have to be a mom now because that's just it but that's what it looks like yeah you know we can walk around the fair and see all these you know people having great experiences at the fair and then there's my child underneath the table rocking and you know flapping and 
you know, stimming. So, and, and also, um, I think <coughs> you're there's sometimes where you let them, like, say we go out, we're at a birthday party or whatever. I'm going to try my best to try to get both the boys under control behaviorally. You don't want them to have a meltdown. So they might get, you know, an iPad or a whole dang bag of their favorite chips, you know, something to, you know. And then you'll get people that will be like, well, I don't, I think maybe you're over-exaggerating their autism because every time I see them, they're fine. You don't know what we do to make sure that Mm -hmm. that's the situation because you don't want people experiencing that if they already don't want to be around them what do you think it's going to be like when they see them in their major Mm -hmm. meltdown or Mm -hmm. how evan slapped me very hard the other day across the face you know and it was just out of frustration he didn't know what he has doesn't have the words to tell me he is frustrated it doesn't and we're able to look at those moments and go okay this is what he needed and he didn't have it you know and so um you didn't mind the moment when he slapped my mom with the licorice though (laughs) (laughs) well on a different topic um okay well let's move on um sometimes things happen it's out of my control (laughs) anywho um (laughs) hopefully she won't be listening to this podcast anyway but yeah i think you know i think i think if you back to the topic you know you want to have more children or or you you know you have one child you don't want to have any more i i just especially in the times we have going on in this world right now anyways, just be kind to people. I mean, know that they're, whatever their decision is, they've made it, they've thought about it, they've, you know, what are you contributing to it? You know, if you're really not, then why, why are you even putting really an opinion in? I know for us it would have really helped and still would help if, you know, family members were kind. What, you know, we, we don't get phone calls to go places anymore. We don't get... You know, we're just like this family that's, oh, yeah, you know. And, um, you know, our kids aren't brats. They actually have sensory issues. They have things going on that is going to cause, um, you know, meltdowns and things. And, um, you know, it's really hurtful uh, to not, you know, let your child play with my child because you think that, that uh, he's going to hurt them. Well, maybe find out about him, you know, because – you know, especially Jackson, he's higher functioning. He gets really hyped up and he gets, you know, excited about things. He doesn't mean to hurt anybody, you know. And he's a so, big, kid. and he is. He's, he's yeah. And, and he, and and he deserves to be able to play with his cousins and um, things like that. And for you know, our our brothers and our you know sisters understand that um, this is our life and. We want to be a part of your life. It just might look a little different than what your family looks like. Well, and I think too, you had just you meant, made the comment that not everybody has a tribe, and I think you're, you know, you're. What some of us have to do because I'm in the same boat that you guys um, are in, in that my tribe is not my family, um, and so I have created a tribe um, that is supportive and um, and loving, and you know, take the time to you know be a part of my family's life and and so you know you may not you know be blood related to your tribe but you know I would definitely say um and that's okay because you have to surround yourself with the people that support you and you know some people are really really lucky I'm really envious when I see these families that have extended family that really rally around them and it's like oh my gosh like I can't even imagine what that would be like 
Um, you know, but you can have your tribe. It's just that you have to sometimes look beyond blood. Um, and definitely in your autism tribe, I think that's kind of where we find it because um, I've had so many families just say being a part of this, even this podcast and hearing other people's perspective has been like amazing. Um, so there's always that too. The other thing is, is that I am also um, very, you know, I, you know, in our family, we have taken in a 16 year old, well, he was 15 at the time and we took him into our home. And um, it was interesting because I'm just, you know, because people, um, and, and we still don't have, I still don't have um, custody of him. We're going through the court process to get non-parent custody of him, but because he's not in the foster care system. Um, interestingly enough, when he came into our home, um, one of the stigmas that I hate about foster care is, is that, oh, well, that's kind of risky. Aren't you afraid he's going to molest your daughter? And I was just like, um, actually, so I'm going to be totally honest, is that um, my fear in terms of molestation happening in my ham my family is more so that my son, Kayla, because of his autism, doesn't under, you know, so I am very, very clear and we're open. We have a lot of dialogue about, you know, like appropriate touch because his, for Kayla, the most comfortable person in the world for him to interact with is his sister. Um, and so I had to be very careful and I was very conscious early on about making sure that he understood that, you know, things like that were unacceptable. And here's what, you know, like, you know, puberty and, you know, things you want to do in the privacy of your bedroom to yourself is acceptable. Um, but it was interesting to me because like people were shocked when I said, to be honest with you, I, I have always had more of a concern about Caleb doing something not intentional or dirty, but because again, autism is what it is and his sister is a comfortable person. And so we've always had a lot of real clear, open, direct conversation about what that looks like. And, um, but it was interesting to me, um, you know, when people hear about, you know, the fact that we brought in this teenager into our house and, you know, I'll be even honest that my ex-husband, you know, he's my ex-husband, but he had a lot of concerns about me um, wanting to take Trevor in as um, and give him a home. And so, um, but then also too, going through this process of getting court approval for um, Trevor. And it has been interesting for him because, you know, he's, you know, 15, 16 now. And just him having to adapt to having a sibling with um, that has, has differences has been um, interesting because again, you know, when the kids are raised in it, they don't know anything different. When, you know, you have a, young person that comes in your house and then is just like, well, this is different or this is unfair and is more vocal about what things they think is unfair. It's just interesting, but it's not insurmountable. It's a great opportunity to um, be able to have that dialogue. But anyway, so I just want to put in a foster, or a plug because I really am a believer in trying to do what you can for foster kids and it can work. We, um, you know, it can be successful. Um, so, you know, that's my two cents. Um, I just want to add, um, so you were talking about the relationship uh, between Caleb and you and your daughter, and honestly, that really just hit home, because that is my one concern that I have. I never think about my daughter um, and being fearful of other people, and I don't think Josiah would ever do anything, but Josiah's understanding and whatnot, you know, he, he'll be 13 on Sunday, um, and he... <laughs> Um, you know, but I mean, he likes to walk around with his hands up, down his pants. He'll pull his privates out in different places. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't understand it. And you know, I'll be honest, that was one of those areas that I get a little worried about. I have a little girl, um, and I know it wouldn't be intentional, but the the lack of understanding and comprehending. Um, so 
And I'll, I'll lighten it up a little bit. So I have, we have that concern definitely for sure. And I went to this, uh, I went to this class and they were talking about, you know, how a lot of uh, people with disabilities get taken advantage of and they want them to use the correct terminology um, so that if something does happen and they're able to explain what happens, not say like they're hoo-hoo or they're whatever yeah. they want to use. So I thought, you know, Evan, he's low functioning, but he is almost 11. I'm going to kind of teach him that. So the other day I said, you know, I was changing his pull-up and stuff, and I said, Evan, Mom wants to tell you that this is your penis, and, you know, these are – well, I chose to use balls, but you yeah, know what I mean? These are your balls. Look, it's better than testicles. Right, he's That's not going to say that anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Too many syllables. Balls is good. Yeah, so I'm <laughs> telling him – Yeah, keep it yeah. real. And he gets completely mad and starts screaming through the house, I'm not doing penis and balls. No penis and balls. And I'm like, well, this didn't go well. We'll try again at another time. But yeah, so <laughs> one of those moments. But yeah, you definitely do. You do have to be careful. But also, I don't, you know, I don't want there to be a stigma around, you know, no. autistic kids. No, there's um, no data out there that shows that there's any right. more risk. It's just, again, you have You're to You're going to worry about it. Well, and Evan likes to be naked. I mean, we'll have therapists. We always have. Our house is like a revolving door. There's always people in our house, but like you know, he'll just all of a sudden come walking through the living room butt naked. I'm like, dude, you're you're getting at that age where, and even the younger kids are looking at him, and you're just like, to him, he has no <laughs> no thought. No, no. But yeah. even you'll you'll get embarrassed. Like, okay, dude, yeah. you need to, you know, sorry about that. Yeah. And then the school's another thing that's hard because he's not fully potty trained. So as he gets older, he's got adults changing him and doing things and you know it's just it's hard it's hard yeah. to think about all that and um when he's not very vocal he can't really express things and then he also doesn't have that that sense to know if something's even wrong you know you really yes. really have to teach them you know it's okay if somebody can they shouldn't be touching they yes should, and, and how really do you hard. teach the difference right. yeah it's really hard. and that's actually one of our podcast mm-hmm. topics that we're going to talk about later on more specifically related to this because you know, two realities are there's no data out there that shows that people with autism or any other disability is more likely to become like a sex offender or, you know, do molestation sort of activities. But I will tell you, there's a lot of data out there showing that individuals with developmental and intellectual disabilities are victimized. And so that's a really important topic. And um, I took a, a class this summer from the University of Autism Um, University of Washington Autism Center and one of the things that they were talking about is you know when you know like teaching children the value of no and how we really need to you know a lot of times you know because we're parents of kids with autism if I didn't do something because my child told me no I wouldn't do anything but they were talking about how you know when you don't respect them telling you no and then of course when someone else is you know um you know and it plays into that whole sexual assault prevention piece and so we'll talk about that at a later time well thank you guys for talking to me about this again brian keith i'm very uh thankful that you're willing to come in and give me a second chance to do this interview (laughs) since i blew it the first time but rest assured i have had plenty of like successful (laughs) podcast recordings since that very first time you you participated so i'm sad that your wife maria couldn't be with us because um she's a kick in the pants and always has 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Today just happens to be your day off, which is one of the reasons why I scheduled this for a Friday afternoon, because I knew I'd be able to catch you. So um, that takes it um, to the end of this particular podcast. Um, be sure to um, check out other topics that we've done podcasting on in the past. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe and just remember, we're all in this together, so find your tribe and hold them tight.